Hello, Molo, Sawbona, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with a purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Look at somebody, smile at them through your mask, make your eyes so big that they know you're smiling at them, okay? <laughs> and you're not frowning. It's wonderful to see more of you in the room. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for all those who are watching online. If you have a Bible, open it. And let's get started with some word this morning. Are we ready? Come on. Um, woo! End times, guys. That's what we've been preaching on. Last week, we jumped straight into the hot topic of what is the mark of the beast. And um, we were addressing the concerns around the COVID-19 vaccine and vaccine passports being the mark of the beast. And um, I said to you guys last week that I really don't believe that the, the, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. And what we did was we went and we unpacked Revelation chapter 13 last week, and we looked at what the Bible actually says about the mark of the beast. And what we saw in that passage was that the mark goes on your right hand or it's on your forehead, and everybody gets forced to take it, and it's a sign of your allegiance or your obedience to the beast. Can you say the beast? The beast. Okay. And uh, and what we see in Revelation chapter 14 is that the the Judgment comes on those who worship the beast and those who receive the mark of the beast, which means that receiving the mark of the beast has got to, in some way, violate your love, your worship, and your obedience to Jesus. It's got to be an active kind of choice in your mind of like, you know, I'm taking this mark, and when I do that, I'm not, I'm violating my obedience and worship to Jesus. And so, We've learned that the vaccine is not that, and the same with your credit card, your ID number is also not the mark of the beast. Um, and we unpacked Revelation chapter 13. But last week was unfinished business. Would you, would you agree? It was unfinished business. Why? Well, because it's hard to talk about the mark of the beast without talking about the beast. You know, in fact, what we see in Revelation chapter 13 is that there is this beast that is coming to the fore. There's this beast coming into power, and then we're seeing the mark of the beast thereafter. And so what I want to do today is I want us to go and look at the beast in Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation 13 is this, is that there is this like satanic trinity at work. There's the dragon and the beast and then the second beast. And it's like a father, son, holy spirit. And, and, the, and, the, and the beast is like an antichrist. 
All right, a false Christ, a someone in the place of Christ. Later in the book of Revelation, uh, I mean, sorry, in the in the book of John, what we read is that there is this um, very real thing called the Antichrist, or person called the Antichrist. And so we understand the beast of Revelation 13 to be talking about the Antichrist. And the word Antichrist means against Christ or opponent of Christ or in opposition in opposition to Christ. And it kind of makes sense that you know. If, if we understand Satan in the Bible and we, and we look at who Satan is and what he's trying to do, we see in, in Isaiah chapter 14 that he wants to exalt himself above God. He wants to be God and he wants to be worshipped as God. And we see that famous chapter Isaiah 14 where he says, I will exalt my throne above the throne of God and I will be like above the Most High. I mean, talk about a God complex. Okay? So whenever you see anyone with a God complex in this world, we know where that comes from. It only makes sense then that if that is his complex and that is his mindset and that's what he thinks he can really do, that when he looks on the earth and he sees that there is a son of God worship, there is a Christ on the earth, there is a savior on the earth, that he would want to counterfeit that, that he would want to fill that gap with something else, with an antichrist, with something that's his own version of what we worship. In Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about the Antichrist. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's deep. We, you know, sometimes our brains, amen, working for us, okay? So, so be at peace. God's going to, even while we're preaching on the Antichrist, faith this morning, just like this word, it heals all our diseases. It sets every captive free. You're online, you feel like you're captive in some way. The mark of the beast. One thing I, I said to you was, when rem- remember, when we approach the book of the Revelation, we have to put on three sets of glasses. Do you remember what they are? First century glasses. We have to put on that metaphorical glasses because God's word's deep and there's always meaning no matter what. And then we have those end time glasses okay because a lot of what the book of the revelation talks about is the end of the world so we have to view it as it's talking about the end of the world and what we noticed last week when we started talking about the mark of the beast was this us as christians so like like let's not be like that all right but i mean it more like in a wise way more like in a way where where we are aware of the times and the seasons we're in Amen. So let's go to the Word. Let's go to the Word. We're going to talk about the Antichrist this morning. But let's, we're, going to go, we're going to start in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can go there. And uh, let's just pray before we get into the Word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good. And that everything good starts with this word. Lord, your word brings life, healing, and direction. And we treasure it more than our daily bread. And we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. All right, are you in 1 John 2, verse 18? Great. All right. It says the following. It says, little children, that's us, okay? (laughs) It is the last hour, and as you have heard, 
the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Okay, we'll just pause over there, and we're going to jump to chapter 4 in a moment. But here we clearly see the Apostle John is, is differentiating here. He's telling us that there is the Antichrist, and in the New King James Version it puts a capital A to tell us that this is the Antichrist that is coming. And then he says, even now many Antichrists, small a, have come by which we know it is the last hour. So we see the Antichrist and we see many Antichrists. And this is what... What John was saying is that we see types, shadows, and preludes to the real thing that will come in the future. And so, like, if we look through the Old Testament, what we notice is that we see, like, Pharaoh persecuting and, and trying to kill the, the messianic promise of God over a people. And, and, and we see various other leaders, like Nebuchadnezzar, arising to global power, creating a big gold statue of himself. Can you imagine? <laughs> Making everybody worship it. Um, and, and there's been many like that throughout history. Um, one, you know, we, we've read last week about the Caesars and, and what they did in terms of proclaiming themselves as God and even as the Son of God and demanding worship. Like, you would have to, there was this, um, this ritual in the, in the, in the Roman Empire where Gods would arise with, arrive with uh, fire and, and incense. And you had to go and take a pinch of incense and throw it into the fire and say, Hail Caesar, or Caesar is God, like, and worship, give it an act of worship. And obviously Christians wouldn't do that. They were like, ah, there's another king, and his name is Jesus. And that's the one we give our worship and adoration. And they were persecuted for that. Now, what, what is that? That is... That is Small a antichrist at work in the world there. Another one to, to mention that's worth mentioning is Antiochus Epiphanes, all right, who was a Greek um, king, and he ruled about 175, well, almost almost 200 years before Christ came, and he was so anti the Jews, he he, he forced it. He said like, if you do circumcision. He made circumcision illegal. He, he made temple worship illegal. He actually raided the temple in the Jewish temple, the temple of God. He raided it and he sacrificed a pig on the altar and he commanded Jewish people to, to worship Zeus and eat pig flesh, which you know was like an abomination to them. That was like massive, going into their holiest place and sacrificing a pig there, and then come on, and setting up a statue to Zeus there, and obviously you know the Jews under the Maccabees retaliated and revolted, and they actually killed him and ousted him. But but there we see um, a, a a type of Antichrist. He he even took on the title Epiphanes, which means uh, the Illuminated One or the Godlike One. <laughs> so, so that's how this guy. So whenever we see a God complex, what do we know? Right? We know that there is like some satanic agenda behind it. So these, give us, these people give us an idea of what the Antichrist will be like. But what we know in Scripture is that the Antichrist to come is going to be the ultimate villain. He's going to be worse than all of them. 
He's going to be like, if they were just types and forms and shadows, then we're, we're talking about the ultimate villain the world has ever seen that is still to come. So j- jump with me now to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. While you're going there, just maybe I can just say something on that whole Antiochus kind of example. Was that he went into the temple proclaiming himself as God, sacrificed a pig in that place, and the prophet Daniel actually prophesied about that. He in in Daniel, I think it's seven, eight, somewhere around there, maybe nine, Daniel nine, where he actually talks about this abomination of desolation that's coming to the temple of God. All right, and. And if you were there definitely in that like 200 years, 175 years before Christ and you saw all of that happening, you would have thought that was a fulfillment of what the prophet Daniel had actually prophesied about this one that was going to come and do this. However, Jesus then arrives on the scene about 200 years later and he talks about the prophecy in Daniel as having still a future fulfillment. And so now we know it's not Antiochus and we know that Antiochus is a type. He's a, like he's a prelude. So we see these like flashes of sata- Satanism coming through the world. These flashes coming through, but we haven't seen the real deal yet. Okay, are you alright? Verse three, chapter four, verse three of one John. It says, "And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God." Amen. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Capital A, New King James Version, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Pause. What do we learn from this? Well, not only do we have the Antichrist and we have types and forms of the Antichrist, we also have the spirit of the Antichrist, which is what? At work already in the world. And so what John is What John was actually writing to there, he says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He was was writing about docetism, which is like a a heretical belief that emerged kind of in the first century. And and it taught that Jesus actually didn't arrive in person. That he was kind of like just like an angelic messenger. All right? And, And... and so Jesus didn't really come. He was like this angelic messenger. And, so, and, and there was a whole lot of other like, weird things about who Jesus was. And, and John was writing against that. And he was saying, everyone who says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, all right, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. This is, it's a false gospel. It's a wrong belief. It's denying the humanity of Jesus. Jesus had to become a man in order to redeem mankind. That is the gospel. And John was writing against it, but it's interesting what he says about it. He says that it is the spirit of the Antichrist that's trying to take the gospel and change it and twist it to be something that it's not. And he says this Antichrist, it's like a spirit of the Antichrist, it's at work. It's like the spirit that's desperately trying to attack the gospel in whatever way, in whatever form it can do. Erode it, take away from what is Jesus and what is this gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. 
to the Roman first, to, to the Jew first, and to the Greek. All right? It is the gospel that saves us. And so the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in the world to try and minimize it, try and change it. Wherever you see someone preaching about Jesus and it's not the Jesus of the Bible, and they say, oh, Jesus was like this, or Jesus was like that, or Jesus is just, I mean, you, you, there's so many beliefs out there. Like you take Gnosticism, and they believe that Jesus wasn't divine. But that, and, and that we are actually inherently good as people. That is the spirit of the Antichrist at work. You take Mormonism and they, they, they teach something similar. Alright? Jehovah's Witnesses. They de- deny the divinity of Jesus. They de- deny the fact that he was born of a virgin. Alright? Mormons. Alright? They, so they, and, and the whole church of Mormons started when, you know, Joseph Smith made an angel and the angel gave him these tablets and he wrote down these tablets and, and it changes the gospel about who Jesus is. And what is that at the end of the day? It's the work of the Antichrist. Trying to twist and change because in Galatians 1 verse 8 it says that even if an angel arrives preaching a gospel that's different to Jesus was born of a virgin, he was the son of God, he came in the flesh, he died in the flesh, and three days later he rose from the dead redeeming mankind from his sins. Anything out of that is heresy. It is not the gospel at all. It has no power to save you. It's just an idea. It's just a thought. Alright? It's fake news. <laughs> the Prophet Muhammad goes up to a cave and an angel appears to him and gives him these revelations. And in those revelations, what does it say about is all these revelations about God, 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 God? And then, oh, there's something about Jesus in there. What does it say about Jesus? Just, just, a, good ma- just a good prophet. Not the Son of God. Not the Savior of the world. What is that? That is the spirit of the Antichrist eroding the truth of the gospel to keep people in hell. To keep people away from the truth of who God is. So, I mean, all these cults, sex, these religions, these TV programs. I mean, I, I was watching something recently on, on Netflix or whatever it was. National Geographic and Morgan Freeman. The story of... God. How many of you watched that? What's the end result of that? All roads lead to God. It doesn't matter what you believe, but it's just like scientific, kind of, you know, open-minded kind of research. We're going to travel the world. We're going to talk to different people. This guy died. What did he experience? He came back. I don't care what he saw or what he, on the other side, if it's outside of this gospel, I'm not going to believe that guy. Even if an angel comes and he's like beautiful and amazing and says like, oh no, but, but Jesus was actually just a man like you. And I'm not going to believe that guy. Okay? That is the agenda of the Antichrist. His spirit is at work. And what he's doing in the world is he's trying to amass followers. He's trying to erode the gospel. Because when the Antichrist does come, there needs to be some anti-Christianism. <laughs> in the world. So the anti-Christianism, <laughs> we're making our words here. Anti-Christianism is like the soil for the Antichrist to, the ground to emerge in. Okay? And so that, so that's the spirit that's at work in the nations. <laughs> Amen. Case in point, let me introduce you to Ali Khamenei. How many of you know who Ali Khamenei is? AV, if you have that photo of Ali Khamenei. 
So Ali Khamenei is the current supreme leader of Iran at the moment. Now Iran is a theocracy. It is built on uh, on Islam, all right, Shia Islam. And in Iran, it is illegal to be a Christian, and it is illegal to have a Bible. And if you convert to Christ and give your life to Him, you will be killed or imprisoned for life and tortured or beaten or have your family killed. That's not like I'm dramatizing this in any way. That is for real. Okay? And this is just one nation that I'm talking about now. All right? This is just one nation in the world where it is like the boundaries and the borders to it are closed. They are hard. They're like you will not bring Jesus into this country. You will not mention his name. You will not convert him. You will, not, you, not, you will be punished. You will be killed for that. What is that? Well, if you were living in Iran, you would look at Revelation and you would say, this is the beast. (laughs) And we know now that, and I'm going to show you a little bit more, like why, but we know it's not the beast, it's a type. It's a shadow, it's a forerunner, and it's the the spirit of the Antichrist at work. He's not yet revealed. The Antichrist is not yet revealed. And let me, I want to show you just a map of the world, if you wouldn't mind just... Maybe putting the map up there. This is a map of, of nations that are closed to Christianity. Over 50 nations in the world that are closed to Christianity. The, the dark red ones are the ones that are like severe persecution. And then the lighter colors go from, so it goes from severe to what are the most at risk to um, high risk to Bad risk. I don't know. It's like, it's just all risk. It's all bad, okay? And in these nations, like, it, Christianity is illegal. It's, uh, and when you look at the, the population of those countries, we're not talking about millions. We're talking about billions of people. <sighs> billions of people. Where it is illegal, it is, it is life-threatening to believe in Jesus. You'll see there's North Korea up over there. Now, North Korea, the Kim family proclaim themselves as gods. And they are worshipped by their people. And they will be, and they, they say things like there are no other gods but the Kim family. Alright, like that's, that's God complex. Where does that come from? We know. Whenever there's a God complex, we know that there's a Satan agenda behind that. That's ultimately an expression or a type of Satanism that we see. I mean, you'll see there's Sudan over there. there. Sudan has been bombing and persecuting Christians for years. Somalia, the Al-Shabaab movement there, if you convert to Christianity, you'll be killed on the spot. Even if you, they suspect you as a Christian, they'll kill you. There's Pakistan, there's Afghanistan. We've seen what's happened in Afghanistan. What's happening now with the Taliban taking over there and how Christians are being killed. And this is like, I mean, Nigeria is also there, by the way. In fact, Nigeria is quite interesting. In the last few years, in the last five years, more Christians have been killed in Nigeria than than even in hardcore Islamic uh, Middle Eastern nations. Um, And so what do we see here? That we see that the spirit of the Antichrist is really at work in the world. And I'm highlighting this this morning because sometimes we can live in this little bubble down here in Durban. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We, I got four Bibles and, 
I can go and share Jesus and we have connect and we get a lot of worship and we just think like all the world is like this and oh no, this, this antichrist is something in the future or, you know, but like for billions of people, they're living under the beast. For them, they read the book of the Revelation and, and they're reading it like first century Christians. Like this is for real. This is, this is my life. Okay, this is what I'm going through. And, and, and all the nations where you, you don't see that persecution taking place, don't think that the spirit of the Antichrist is not at work there. Like, oh, okay, I'll leave those ones. Let me just focus on these ones. No, he's at work, but he's at work in different ways. So what you'll see in like more Western, more free nations where there's religious freedom, what you'll find is that you'll see New Age philosophies, which is basically Gnosticism reinvented. Okay, Satan doesn't do anything new. You take Docetism, you take Gnosticism, and from the first century, you put them together, you've got actually New Age philosophy right there. Okay, um, Agnosticism, atheism. There's, what about the worship of money or fame that we see? This is also taking worship away from Jesus, bringing to you a false gospel, a gospel that you will save yourself somehow. All people are good at the end of the day. All roads lead to God. This is the work of the spirit of the Antichrist. So the question is, well then, if this is all types, forms of the beast and not the beast, how will we then know <laughs> what the beast is? All right? And, and why, why is this not the beast? Well, let's go to Revelation 13. Back to our chapter where we were last week. Are you still with me? I'm going to give with you three kind of indicators or pointers this morning to help you understand the beast to come, the Antichrist, capital A. And this is what I really believe comes out of Revelation 13. And there's some other scriptures here, like Second Thessalonians, that we're also going to go to. But what we notice, firstly, about the beast to come is this is that it has global, political, economic, and military control. That's the beast of the revelation. There is global. What we, know, what we see with all these other types, shadows, is that they're not yet global. Okay? They're, not, they're not global. They're localized in certain contexts. And so in Revelation 13, verse 7b, it says, It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So the beast to come is a global beast. And it has authority in every single nation. It has an imprint. Okay, in, in verse 16, it says, So you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. That's talking about economic control. That you won't be able to engage in the economy because this beast has put a barrier up saying, If you want to buy or sell, if you want to go get your milk and cookies, all right, you're going to have to get this mark. And if you get this mark, please understand that it's violating your worship to Jesus like this. I don't think it'll be as obvious as that, but we will have to discern. We will have to, we'll have to look at the word and the word will show us. Okay. In, in verse 4, it says, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So we're talking about a superpower. We're talking about... No one can resist. We're talking about an economic, 
a political and a military control of the world. And what we notice when it talks about the beast in this passage is that it says it it came up like a, a bear and like a lion and like a leopard. And what we learned last week was that was a, that was the reference to Daniel, all right? And what the book of Daniel was talking about in terms of empires. We saw the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire and the Greek and the Roman Empires, and they were all representative of those different animals: the bear, the leopard, the lion. Okay, and and so, but the thing about this beast is that it's like all of them. It's like a bear. It's like a lion. It's like a you know. It's like a leopard. So it's kind of like. So we know it's talking about empires. But this is, looks like an amalgamation of empires. This is like empires coming together in some way. It says it has ten horns and ten crowns on those horns and seven heads. And heads and crowns and horns always in the Bible talk about kings or those political leaders or people in authority. So... So what we look at in, in Revelation 13 is this, is that the beast to come has got some sort of global, political, economic, it's like an amalgamation of empires. It could look like a conglomerate of nations coming together to rule and control the world. And, and the fact that it arises out of the sea, you know, it gives you that picture. I saw this beast coming out of the sea. The, the sea in the Bible, always represents lost humanity. All right, there's this, this this lost picture of humanity just being blown whichever way the wind goes. Okay, and out of the this lost humanity, I mean, think about the map over there and how all this antichristianism. Okay, out of all of that lost sea of humanity, out of all of that antichristness in the world, there emerges this this beast, this false savior, this one that can can rule the world. Now, you know, what, we've, what we're seeing in the world right now is, is, is like highly suspicious when we look at what's happening here in Revelation. Because in the world right now, what we notice is that there are, even, although we have local governments, what we are seeing in the world is the rise of global corporations. So we're seeing like big pharma, we're seeing big tech, we're seeing the banking uh, you know, big banking, can I call it that? We have big energy or energy corporations. They're multinational. They're, they're based over, and a lot of these big companies dictate to governments as to like how they're going to run and how they're going to work and what's going to happen in these nations. And, and not only is it, is it pharmacy and it's technology and it's banking and energy, but it's media houses, it's food suppliers. A lot of the, the seed in the world is actually controlled by a certain few Companies that are literally controlling our food supply. Um, weapons as well. Manufacturing of weapons. Global corporations that supply weapons to the good guys and the bad guys. You know, um, and, and so it's interesting. We're living in an interesting time where we're seeing global control in some way. And, and somehow the beast, whether it's nations and heads of nations or whether it's heads of industries, somehow brings it all together. Into, into one, in, in some sort of amalgamation. And then the second pointer. So the first point is this, global, political, economic, and military control. The second one is deception and blasphemy. Deception and blasphemy. In, in chapter 
13 verse 3, it says the following. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his head and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? So this, whatever we see, whatever form this beast takes on, right, what we see about it is that there's going to be this genuine marvel and, and wonder about him. It's going to be impressive. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be like, whoa, look, it was like wounded and it came back to life or um, and there's a lot of theories around what that could be. Like maybe that's a revived Roman Empire. Maybe that's a revived Ottoman Empire. Maybe that's, um, you know, there's, there's lots of theories around that. Um, but there's going to be this like wonder about it. It's going to be like you're going to, like what we see here is like it's going to be thrilling. Like all the world is going to be like, yo, this is amazing. This is going to be the best thing ever. Oh, come on, Christians. Why are you stopping the agenda here? Why are you stopping the plan? Why are you being a cog in the system? Why, why, you know, look, look at this beast. This thing is incredible what we've done. We've had all these things in the past and they've all failed, but look at this. This is something new, different. If we jump to the book of Thessalonians, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, and verse 9, it says the following. It says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So how does, how does the beast come? He comes with deception, with false signs and wonders. So there might even be a spiritual component to this. There might even be some sort of wonder to this. I mean, I just think about how many, you know, look at how many people running after and following Bushiri. There's signs, there's wonders. Must be God. TB Joshua. Whoa, signs, there's wonders. It must be God. Traveling from all the nations around the world. Let's go, let's see, let's do. Imagine taking that, putting it into some sort of political, economic entity. I don't know, you know, but... But, but look at how easily people are deceived when there's some sort of wonder. It's like, oh, we're all on board. You know, let's go. It's, it's, there's something there. Not everything that's spiritual and a sign and a wonder is of God, people. I want to remind you that like the Egyptians had their sorcerers who were able to turn sticks into snakes. You know, granted, you know, Moses' snake ate them all up. <laughs> but they were still able to do something that... that Made Pharaohs think, you know, well, hey, hang on, this is just, we've got sorcerers, you know. We can do the same thing. In, in verse 3 of the same chapter, it says, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. What is the falling away? The falling away is, is basically, the Bible's talking about a deception that will capture even Christians. And Jesus warned about this. So this beast, like, and this is why, like, you know, I'm not, please, let's, we're not going to go down the fear road on this thing. Okay, we're not going to go down the suspicion, fear road or whatever. We're going to be solid people of the word, looking at the word, discerning things correctly in community, discussion, etc., under leadership. That's how we roll, okay? 
But there is going to be a deception, Jesus warned, that even the elect can be fall into. And this is what I actually want to talk about this next week. I want to talk about deception. I want to just zero in on deception because I'm noticing something in the world today that I don't think I've experienced before in terms of how the media is deceiving humanity in various ways and how there's various agendas coming through. And I, I'm, what I'm seeing is like, I'm almost seeing like a test run. You know, it's kind of like this test run in terms of swaying public opinion, swaying your thoughts around certain topics, swaying your thoughts and stimulating emotions in people to get them to do certain things. And it's the work of deception. And, and, I'm, and I'm noticing how quick it is that Christians get on different pages regarding issues. And, and how sometimes, you know, and how I think we're living in times where we, re- we really need to make sure that we're not jumping to somebody else's tune other than Jesus's. And we're not getting wrapped up in some political agenda. We're not getting wrapped up in some pharmaceutical agenda. We're not getting wrapped up in some other agenda that we, that we really are very aware that there's a work of deception in the world. And that's trying to capture our minds, trying to capture our hearts, and ultimately lead us away from the truth of what's in the Word. So there will be deception. It talks about this falling away. And, and the idea is that many Christians will fall away or will go, you know what, this is the beast, is, this is the best thing ever, you know? Look, we can buy and sell by just doing this or scanning our heads, you know? It's like there's going to be something to it that's really going to cause people to be deceived. And then it says this it says, the man of sin is revealed. Right? Unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. So there's going to be a work of deception and then we're going to see what? The man of sin. Who is the man of sin? The Antichrist, the beast. He has many names. The son of perdition, the lawless one, the coming lawless one, the prince to come, the Antichrist, the beast. There's, there's a whole lot of names for him, but it's kind of like pointing at the same person. The man of sin is revealed. And it gives him another name. The son of perdition. So there's this character in Scripture, and this is the Apostle Paul now writing. So this is not just John on his own trip, okay? This is Paul also writing about it. And he poses and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember Antiochus? That's what he did. Okay, type, a shadow. So we see something similar happening. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. Oh, there's so much in here. I feel like we could just spend all afternoon unpacking this. There's something restraining the Antichrist, what we learn in the Scripture. There's something restraining. A lot of people talk about that's the church, that is the, 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 the presence of the church on the earth that's restraining him, and that when the rapture comes, then the Antichrist will... I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I have my my doubts about the rapture. All right, and and the we're not gonna you know don't leave the church now because of that. Okay, <laughs> but but I think there's a, there's merit for some merit for the rapture, but there's more merit for actually Jesus is gonna come back, and when he comes back, we're all gonna rise. Um, anyway, that's just my own eschatological view on things, and maybe we need to teach on that another day. But but there's something restraining. Ultimately, it's gonna be God restraining. Okay, And then, look at this. He sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
This is kind of like what Antiochus did. Now, a lot of people have come up with theories around this passage, like maybe this will be a Jewish Messiah who will arrive on the scene claiming to be the Messiah, like obviously Jesus was not the Messiah, I'm the real Messiah, take his place in the temple, um, and, and so there's, there's this, and that he might lead the world astray with signs and wonders, and, and, and there's this, suddenly there's this new Messiah coming from the Middle East, and everybody starts worshipping, and like, you know. Um, some people have said, no, this temple of God is New Testament, it's not talking about the old temple, which is currently having plans to be rebuilt at the moment, another sign of the end times. But, but this is talking about the church, that maybe this person will arise out of the church. And hence, that's why many of the elect will be deceived. Maybe this will be a Christian leader, you know, that, that comes with signs and wonders, but then also has incredible political and, and economic skill and is somehow able to, you know, like some pastors are, are like good in the pulpit, but they're also extremely good in government and they're extremely anointed in the government sector or the whatever, you know, the economic sector, that he would be able to transcend those, 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 those spheres of society and somehow deceive the world. And that's not uncommon. That's something that might actually happen. I mean, you look at what happened with William Brenham. I mean, the incredible signs and wonders coming from that man's ministry. And he had a God-fearing, good ministry. But somehow at the end, he started thinking he was it. And he started deceiving people and people started worshipping him. And he built this whole like cult and sect, the, the Bremenites, and they started following him and, and he started teaching stuff that wasn't in the word of God and he really believed that he had fresh revelation and, and people followed this guy. So it's happened before. Okay, we, it might happen again. And I'm just throwing out stuff here this morning. Are you okay with that? All right. I'm, I'm just trying to like get you to start thinking like this, all right? Some people have said, well, if you read this passage of Scripture, maybe this is AI. Maybe this is artificial intelligence. I mean, if you think about it, we're, we're not far away from artificial intelligence being smarter than us. Already artificial intelligence is flying our planes and, and, and stewarding our, our stock markets. You know, The stock market isn't like this place where everybody shouts and everything anymore. It's just a big server. It's just a big computer nowadays, okay? And we're and we're creating artificial intelligence, and um, and and artificial intelligence could arise as the savior of the world, and somehow you know there's technology in every sector, banking, tech, media, everything. There there could be something emerging in the world of AI, and maybe if you look at triple six, what you see in triple six. Remember I said to you the number, the mark of the beast, is triple six. Six is the number for man. When it's in three, it's the completeness of man. It's the ultimate expression of man without God. Because six is just not seven, right? Well, AI is, 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 is the ultimate expression of what man can produce. It's, it's science. It's technology. It's, it's what man can produce that's, you know, that... So it could be that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's lots of theories out there. I think what we just need to know is, is what does the word say? And let's be aware. Let's watch the world. Let's see what's happening in the world. Let's not stick our heads in the ground and go to church and go to a Bible study and just, my only ambition in life is to get married. Amen. Those who want to get married. 
to have kids or to get that job or just to <laughs> just you know that's that's my world. It's like hang on, you're a, you're a human being on a planet, and there's a destiny and a plan here. There's a purpose going on, and we have to like plug into that. Okay. Final pointer. Are you okay? Global political, economic, military control. The second one was deception and blasphemy. It's going to be against God. It's going to be a work of deception. The third one is persecution. What's obvious in Revelation 13 is in verse 7 it says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. There will be persecution against Christians. In verse 15 it says, And cause as many as would not worship the beast of the image to be killed. Who are those who would not worship the image of the beast? It's going to be us. Okay, so what's going to happen to us? (laughs) Oh no, that just flies straight in the face of, um, you know, you're going to live an awesome life and be blessed and live long. We could be the end times generation, guys. Well, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up for the gospel of peace and prosperity and God was going to bless me and I'm going to ha- get that house that I've always wanted and I'm going to live and he's going to be my aid and I'm going to like rise to the, to my destiny. I'm gonna, yeah, but you're a human on a planet and the planet's got a destiny and a plan and a purpose and what we're reading is the final chapter of that planet and that could be you. You could be on that planet at that time and if you're not worshipping the beast, this thing is going to try and persecute you and kill you. Are you still a Christian? I asked you this last week. If I pick you up now and I put you in Iran, are you still a Christian? Or are you here because God has just made this, this thing that makes your life better? And as soon as it gets uncomfortable or hot or difficult, whoo! Let me get that mark. Let me get that mark. You know, I gotta get my cookies and milk. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. It's a little extreme. The religious kind of crazy people, you know, warring against this beast. You, got, you know what I mean? I, the way Satan comes is not necessarily like Ali Khamenei. Sometimes he comes like an angel of light, proposing a much better, amazing system that can work and really benefit your life and serve you. But hey, bow down and worship. Compromise in your faith in some way. So let me wrap this message up on the Antichrist. I hope you're more equipped to understand who he is and, and what it is and the signs of his coming. But I want to finish with this. In verse 8 of Thessalonians, it says there that the lawless one, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. <laughs> I want you guys to know this. The next big event on earth is not the rise of the Antichrist. It is the coming of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, so as Christians, we don't sit waiting for the Antichrist. Ooh, where's this guy coming like the boogeyman is going to come at some point? We're not sitting waiting for the Antichrist. We're waiting the return of the Lord. Our eyes are on His coming. And look at how easy this is for Jesus. I mean, we've just talked about this beast and it's going to have political, global, economic control and deception and blasphemy. And look at what Jesus does. He consumes it with what? The breath 
of his mouth, like, <sighs> it's all gone. And the brightness of his coming. He just arrives bright, breathing. <sighs> Beast, <laughs> gone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and what we see about this is this, is that although Jesus gave us the signs of the end of the world, He gave us the signs. He gave us what to look for. What we notice in Jesus is that he didn't give us like exact specifics. What we see is that he was more concerned with our attitude and behavior in the end times rather than giving us facts about the end times. So he did give us pointers and he did give us like this is how you can note these things. But he was more concerned about giving us how then do you behave? How then, what should your attitude be in the end times? In fact, if you unpack Matthew 24, which is probably one of the biggest chapters on the end times, 24 and, and chapter 25 of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, what you notice in those gospels, Jesus gives all these signs for the end times, but then what he does is he finishes it with a parable and says it's kind of like this though. Alright, those are all the signs. That's all give you like some hints and some clues as to what's to come. But, but it's kind of like this. There's a master and he has a servant and he puts the servant in charge of his house and he says, do this for me while I'm gone. And then I'm going to go and then I'm going to come back. And he says this at the end. Blessed is the servant whose master finds doing what he commanded. You see, some Christians, they're so wrapped up in end times. Theologies and point things and what's happening in Iran and what's happening. And I'm like, we need to be woke. We need to be aware. We need to watch the signs of the times. But are we making disciples? Are we reaching the lust? Are we praying for revival? Because if you go look at Revelation chapter 14, what you'll notice is that there is an also in the end times, there is a massive harvest of souls from the earth. So while we're seeing like this beast arising and we're seeing all these like apocalyptic end of the world signs, what we also notice in chapter 14 is that there's a massive harvest of souls and people getting saved and coming into the kingdom. The angels just, the, the angel looks down, God says to the angel, the harvest, the, the earth is ripe, go reap. And there's this massive reaping that takes place. And so what do we do? Do we sit there paralyzed waiting for this beast to arise? Or do we plug into the God plan for the end times? Which is go into all the nations and preach this gospel, then the end will come, is what Jesus said. And when he said that, he meant Iran and Nigeria, and he meant Afghanistan. Go into the nations, and let's go reap harvest for Jesus. I believe just as much as we're going to see apocalyptic events, we are going to see the biggest harvest of souls Ever. Guys, that's why we're praying every day. 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. We're crying out to God for souls. We believe, we as a church, want to be aligned. So that as the revival comes, man, we're just going to reap for Jesus in this city. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's close this with some prayer. Once again, I hope you get into a connect group this week. Um, There's an iConnect it goes out on our WhatsApp. Very important to just study the Word, get together with other believers, and um, 
Yeah, and, and, and be aware of what, of what the Word is saying about the times we're living in. Let's pray for a moment. Let's just pray for a moment. I want you to just take a moment and just reflect on where you're at. And I want to ask you a question. And just please be as honest with yourself as possible. And the question is this. If Jesus was to come back today, are you ready? I know you might not want that. You still want a lot to live for and goals and ambitions in your life. But the word is teaching that Jesus is coming back like a flame of fire. He'll take judgment on the beast. He's going to judge those who are in sin, who haven't yet given their lives to him. He's even going to judge us. He's our master. Are we, are we those good servants doing what he told us to do? Or are we going to go to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do stuff in your name? And he's going to be like, I don't know you. I want to ask you the question, where do you stand with Jesus? Like right now. Are you ready to meet him? Will you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is there something in your life that right now you know you need to get right in order to hear those words? I believe the grace of God is available this morning for you to repent and come into alignment with Jesus. Come into allegiance and obedience with Him. I want to encourage you to do that right now. You can just say, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm not living like I should be living. I'm not doing the things I should be doing. Make a commitment in your heart right now. Think about your week ahead and how you're going to change that. Remember, you're, you don't want to just speak words to Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then carry on living a normal life again. What's going to change in your life this week? What are you going to do that's different to show your allegiance and your obedience to Him? Father, I pray this morning for all of us, myself included, Dad, I pray, Lord, that you would keep us all. Keep us all. Lord, I pray that you guard us and you protect us. But we only want to be found doing what we can to sway us off track and get us to give our lives to some other purpose that's not what you have for us. And go, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I couldn't get there. I'm so busy. I couldn't get there. Excuses like that won't hold when we face to face with you, Lord. We, we won't be able to just go, oh, Jesus, I, my boss, or I, 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 I didn't have time. None of that's going to count in that moment. 
pray, Lord, you keep us all on the straight and narrow path. For broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many that travel it. But may we be a church that's solid on that, on that path, that narrow path. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how difficult, no matter what, no excuses, no regrets. That's the path we're on. We follow your words and we do your words because you're our Savior, you're our Lord. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say. Lord, let that be far from us. May we just say Lord and like it's real. You are our Lord. We follow you. Father, I just pray that you bless this congregation both here and online with your presence, with your love, with your forgiveness. I just sense his forgiveness is flowing over you this morning, church. Just as there's really real repentant hearts here, just real hearts aligning, I just sense just the love of God coming on you and saying, my son, my daughter, I love you. I've got great plans for you. Just receive his forgiveness, receive his love. His mercy is real, it's here. Let it wash you and make you whole. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen. Amen, church. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Um, Let's go do Sunday. Amen. Come on. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.